You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey, yo. So, welcome back to another episode of the Rants and Gems Real Estate Podcast. My name is Matt Garland, in MLS number 58700, better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. And my name is Kiana Watson, broker extraordinaire, <laughs> license number 317576. Okay, okay. So, look, we're back with uh, another great episode. I think this is gonna be an amazing episode. Absolutely. It's um, been a, a highly requested episode because folks wanna know about home building, developing, how the hell you build a house, how you become a developer. So we brought on a special guest today. We brought on our guy, Patrick, who's based here in Atlanta, Georgia. He's building luxury homes all over Georgia. <laughs> so Patrick, thank you for your time today. Welcome to the Ransom Gym Show. I'm glad to be here. Glad you, to be brother. here. We appreciate your time. Appreciate it. So um, first things first, introduce yourself for the audience before we get into um, our questions. Sure. My name is Patrick Henderson, real estate developer slash builder here in the Atlanta, Georgia market. Okay, great. So when did you fall in love with real estate, Patrick? Man, I fell in love with real estate. <laughs> Had to be around 03, 04. Okay. Um, I just... Wild cowboy days. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you knew what happened back then. But no, that's when I really, really fell in love with real estate. You know, I have an IT background. That's where I came from, the IT world. I used to own a real uh, IT development firm. And I was flying all over the, the world, actually, doing, you know, IT projects. But real estate really allowed me to buy my own time. So around that 04 time frame, I got a chance to do what I really, really loved. And that was taking something that was nothing and really transforming it. 
Mm. So from IT to real estate, yeah, yeah. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is a huge transition. So I went to Tuskegee. Um, I left Tuskegee in '99. Went back to California, where I'm from. I grew up in California. Okay. And um, I got involved with an IT firm doing data warehousing, business intelligence. Um, I traveled all over the world doing that for government agencies, banks, insurance companies, you name it. Um, but when I was back home on the weekends, I, you know, saw different things in the real estate market. I said, you know what, I want to, you know, tip my toe in that and get involved with that. So I got started with, you know, I call it lipstick renovations, you know, paint, carpet, yeah. you know, light renovations. Cosmetic stuff. Yeah, cosmetic stuff. And um, it just started to grow. I put my consulting firm on hiatus for just a little bit. And I was doing a house a month. I mean, yeah. we were taking them. If I was in a project longer than 30 days, there was something wrong. In Cali at this Here, time? I was oh, here. In I okay. transferred back to Atlanta in 2001. Okay. And um, I really enjoyed the real estate. And I focused on burnouts. Burnouts was one of the things that I really, really focused on. That was my niche at the time. Well, let me, just, let me ask you, so what made you want to focus on burnouts? And you know, you're like, I'm doing a house a month. People are getting flips. It's taking mm -hmm. them six months, 90 days. Yeah. So how are you able, what made you want to focus on sure. burnouts and how are you able to get it done so quickly? Sure. So burnouts, the reason why I did burnouts was, is because when somebody's home catches on fire, it's something emotional and they emotionally detach because they feel violated. And so at that point, I had a great crew that would allow me to come in and remediate that, whether it's taking out the charred wood or tearing it down. We would get it at a great price because the person who had the home had already been paid out by the insurance sure. company. Yeah. And so they just wanted to get rid of the asset because it was emotional detachment. And so I was able to get projects fairly easily, inexpensively, and be able to remediate them. How did you find your burnouts? Um, That's not like an everyday strategy. I, right? I had contacts in the fire department. Oh. <laughs> you know? So... So... <laughs> so, you know, people in the fire department will let me know. But in addition to that, you know, you're dealing in Southwest Atlanta. So you drive certain areas and you would find dilapidated houses, houses that's been burned down um, or just had fire damage. We'd go in, take out that charred wood, um, replace the area, change the area from the smoke inhalation and the smoke damage and it'd be up and running. Man. Yeah. yeah. That's phenomenal. So you went from IT so finding burnout properties, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. lipstick cosmetics, <laughs> doing those rehabs. Now, you started this, you said, 04. How did the market crash in? How did that affect oh, your business? We got hit big time. So back in 2006, when the market crashed, we got holding, caught holding the bag. Because while we had properties ready to sell, banks weren't lending to people. So we had people at the table ready to buy, but they couldn't get a loan. Wow. So back in 06 is when I folded up shop from a, from a real estate perspective and went back into IT full time until two, about 2013-ish. That's when I jumped full back into real estate as I had to lick the wounds, you know. <laughs> yeah, because at first I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want anything else to do with real estate. But I found that when I was in it, I really, really enjoyed it. It, um, it gave me a different sense of being because one, it gave me my time back, but it also allowed me to be able to have that creative portion of myself, to be able to go ahead and take something that people deem trash and turn it into treasure.
You know, mm -hmm. one good mm -hmm. thing about you is you've been here through the yes. ups and downs. Yes. So can you talk about like in that time when you had to hold up shop, mm -hmm. what have you learned from that time that made you a better sure. a developer in this in this time? So one, you know, and I, I use it to this day, I don't force deals. If the deal does not make sense, if the numbers don't make sense, I don't touch it, no matter how much of an upside that I think that it may be, because that's when you find yourself in trouble. And, and then I also learned that you have to make sure that what you have, if something goes wrong, you got to plan for the worst. And so that's what I do as I move through all of my deals. Hope for the best, but plan for the worst financially to make sure that if something does happen, if the market does crash, then I'm able to still survive in that particular point. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you go from, like, you got back in the game, uh -huh. 2013. Mm -hmm. Did you start doing your, your cosmetic rehabs? Or so I started doing cosmetic rehabs, right? Okay. Um, I bought a property, and it, this was over in Kirkwood, and it was actually a single-story, $120,000 house that I purchased. And, you know, I said, what can I do with this? Well, we decided to pop the top. And so we added a second story to that. This was in uh, 2000. This is actually a little fast forward, 2016, 2017. Okay. And as we popped the top, we renovated, the house was ready to go in August. And as we all know, in the real estate market, there's some seasonality tied to it. Absolutely. When August comes, kids are getting ready to go back to school. Yeah. Parents are not focused on real estate at the time. They're focused on getting their family settled. So I got caught holding the bag for about three months. And I said, you know, what do I do in order to make sure that I am able to sustain? And I ended up putting that thing on Airbnb. And that's how my short-term rental game started. And I haven't looked back since. Mm. But how I transitioned over is that I started doing your basic fix and flips, popping the top on a lot of properties, and then I started to scale up to higher-end homes. So as you started scaling up, right, you started looking for properties that you could dorm on. That's right. And add that second level to create that equity. And that's that's what really gave you that hunger. Of like, you know what, let me just do round up. Yes, because when you do new construction, you know what you have. You know, everybody sees all the real estate shows and you start doing a renovation, you start pulling back the onion, you start seeing, oh, we have termite damage or we have mold damage or whatever the case may be. New construction really gave me a, a sense of understanding what I have from the very beginning. So therefore, I know what I'm putting into the house as opposed to starting with something that's already there. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. So now... You pop in the top. Let's talk about your first ground up construction, right? Okay. Talk to us about that in detail. Like, how did you, because you didn't have no experience right. with building a house sure. from ground up. Sure. What gave you the confidence or like what, like what information were you reading to learn how to do ground up construction? So a couple things. Me, I've always been an entrepreneur of spirit since yay high. Um, even in elementary school, I was a mini entrepreneur. I had paper routes and things of that nature. But one of my models has always been, you know, leap and grow my wings on the way down. Right. Mm -hmm. I actually found a burnout in Stockbridge. And they actually, the house burned down. I purchased it and we cleared the lot and we started a new construction project. I said, you know what, there's no time like the present. Um, we started to construct, we constructed a two-story home at the time. Okay. And um, it, it went real well. We had a great process with it. And it was one of those things where I just jumped in. 
Mm. I just jumped in and did it. You just jumped in. You didn't have no directives. You, I mean, of course, you had your own team of people, right. but building from the ground up and then flipping a house. Mm-hmm. What is, you could tell someone what is the biggest difference for you flipping a home, not mm-hmm. just the challenges, like what's already connected, and then building a home from the ground up. What are the differences? So it's a lot of the logistics that go into starting. You know, it's a lot of the stuff that's out the gate. Um, it's finding a lot, clearing a lot. It's starting with preparing the lot, you know, from your surveys, your site plans. Um, You have to do a lot of testing on the site in order to make sure that, you know, if you're dealing with a septic tank, if, you know, where can the septic tank go? Can it go on the left side of the property based upon soil conditions, um, based upon drainage, things of that nature? So we, I had, and the way that I garnered some of this information is, is I was in the field. You know, one of the things I try to tell people as you get involved in real estate is you have to be present. Mm, you, sure. you have to be present. And what that means is, is that find somebody to shadow, you know, from the very beginning. Go to their project sites. Call them say, hey, do you mind if I, if I shadow you for a while? Because one of the things how I got started, even back in 04 and 05, I hired a general contractor. And what I did was I brought my lawn chair out and I stuck it in the yard and I sat and I watched what they were doing and I asked questions. That's actually why we coined our learning series, the Lawn Chair Learning Circle. Hmm. Is because we try to tell people, be present, be in the building. Okay, mm. and so what we do is we have a, a, a series where you come out on a real estate site where you can touch it, see it, feel it. And that's exactly what I did throughout my duration in terms of learning this game. And then when I got involved in doing new construction myself, it was just regurgitating all the things that I had learned throughout the process from the testing that had to be done, from the site plans, the surveys, all of those different types of things to allow you to get to the new construction. So how much does these site plans cost? Because this can be pretty, it sounds pretty expensive. Right. It, it can be. I mean, it obviously depends on who you're going with. You know, you can get, first you got to, you know, obviously get your survey mm-hmm. if there's not one that's already What's existing. a survey for folks who don't know? Sure. What's so a survey? a survey is basically a map of a piece of land and it depicts what's located on that particular site. Okay. Okay. So it, detail, it details out if there's an existing structure. It talks about any type of easements that may be on the site. What's an easement? An easement is basically a shared access way that may be to the left or to the right or to the rear or the front of your property. Okay. So, for instance, if you were to find a piece of land, you generally don't own that first sliver in front of the lot because that's generally owned by the county. That's where a lot of their county resources are, your water, your power, gas, things of that nature. So that survey really talks about what is the conditions, existing conditions of a site. Once you have a survey, you then go and grab your architecture. That architectural plan goes on top of the survey, and that makes your site plan. That is the to be conditions of what you're looking to get developed on the site. So you get your survey, then you get your architect, mm-hmm. right? And now from there, what's next? So right. once you have your survey, your architecture, then you go and grab your site plan, have a site plan developed. Okay. okay. So that site plan can really determine what is actually going to go on that site, how it's going to be situated on that site, driveways, construction entrances, setbacks, setbacks, the whole nine. Um, And so that's what you take into permitting to when you get ready to go and permit your process. Let's talk about permitting because I think that's what scares people the most about, I want to build a house custom, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to permitting, who is supposed to be pulling the permits? The builder? 
Does the does does the person you hire the general contractor pull the permits? Does the subcontractors uh, who who um, pulls the permits? And what should a consumer expect that process to look like? Sure. So there's two different types of um, permits that you're in having to pull. Okay. Actually, it's multiple. But so generally, if I'm going to do a new construction and there's a house that's sitting on that site, you need to do a demo permit. Okay. That demo permit is utilized to demolish the existing house that's on the site. Do you need, before you go, do you need to um, have your site and your other um, plans drawn before you file for your, your demolition permit? Traditionally, you do. You, you don't have to. There's a way to get around just demolishing the site and then come back, but it's not advisable. Okay. Generally, the county really wants you to have uh, a set plan yeah, okay. to go what's next. Although I do do demo permit and building permits separately, but at the same time. Okay. Because okay. sometimes my demo permit will come out faster, faster yeah. and then while the building permit is being processed, I can go ahead and start demoing the site and getting the site ready for construction. Okay. Okay. Um, in return, in terms of who pulls it, generally your general contractor with a GC license pulls the permit mm -hmm. um, for your development. And then your individual subs will pull your electrical, plumbing, and HVAC themselves. Perfect. Okay. So you have multiple permits pulled by multiple people, but the general build of the house is pulled by the general contractor. Okay. Perfect. Now, sometimes people decide to go and build their own house. That's what I was about yeah. to lead to. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens yeah. if I'm like, listen, I, I got me an acre of land, it's huh? mine. I watched a couple YouTube videos. I'm, I want to build my own house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's not advisable. <laughs> like, let me build my own now. But I can do this. It's right? not advisable. Like, I, however, think, I think I got this down. Like, however, um, as a owner, you are able to go and pull your owner permit for your primary residence home. Got it. Not necessarily for an investment home, but a primary residence home that you're going to live in, an owner can pull their own permit. You will get asked a couple of questions by the county to make sure that you're knowledgeable enough in order to pull that. So it's not always granted. They still have some background information as to how are you going to go about this process, mm -hmm. but it can be done. But not advisable. Not advisable. <laughs> if you don't know. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're doing it's not advisable, no. So, I think there's so many parts to building mm-hmm. a custom home. So, we know we need to get a general contract. Mm-hmm. You need to choose. So, no, in essence, you choose the builder who then chooses the general contractor, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And then you have architectural plan. Right. What's the difference, though? Hold on. The difference between a general contract and a builder. So, well, you got a couple that was different interesting things. interesting that you just said. Yeah. That. Then you also have your developer. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. you know, I look at myself as a developer more so because generally I do soup to nuts. I don't just build the house. I also also get the land prepped and ready to go so therefore general contractors and people can come and do a development because I can go and find for instance we're getting ready to purchase um, six acres in North Decatur Mm. okay and we're going to build a modern home subdivision we're actually doing surveys and stuff for that right now and if I had chose to, I can go ahead and do all of the legwork, the survey, the site plans, go ahead and bring the infrastructure in for that site. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in your sewer, your yeah. utilities, and all of that to kind of get the site ready to go, subdivide it, and then sell off individual lots to builders mm-hmm. in order for them to build on those lots. Mm. Got okay? it. Interesting. That's from a developer standpoint. As a builder, you're generally taking those plans that have already been designed, developed, and building based upon what is already there on paper. Got it. And I take it from I take it from the very beginning side of it. So therefore, I'm actually finding the site, developing the site, and getting it ready for the build. Perfect. So the developer, you're, you're like, listen, I found the land. I have the location. I know that I've done the soil test. This right. this property can be buildable, and these are the setbacks, and this is what you can build. That's correct. The builder is like, I'm just going to follow these plans and, and build you the house. Structure. You tell me what color you want and all that stuff. That's correct. Right? But the architectural plans, and that's why a lot of people get confused. Like, I see these places online. Like, I had a client, I was like, I can just Google. I, I found architectural <laughs> plans on fire for $100. I'm like, I don't think it quite works like yeah. that. Like, like let's talk about why architectural plans are so expensive and okay. how it all works hand in hand. Sure. So I personally would never buy a plan online. I've done it before. Okay. Generally, if you buy a plan online, you have an architect who could be in Idaho who developed a nice plan and they put it online. But guess what? It's agnostic, meaning that they're developing on general basis codes. Mm -hmm. I still, after I've purchased that plan, have to take that and give it to a local architect so they and engineer to engineer that plan for the local county and municipality that we're doing the development in. Mm. So you're double paying. You're double paying. You're double double paying. paying. You're spending more money. They think they're saving money, but they're not. You're not. So generally what I say is if I see a plan that's online, if that architect is not local, I would find a local architect show them what I want, and then have that redrawn up 
with an engineer so therefore we can understand all my load calculations and I can make sure that this site and this house is buildable based upon the county that we're going to be building in. Smart. So don't overpay, basically. Don't overpay. There's don't no overpay. reason because you're going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, stop yeah. being cheap, try to go online. Just that's get right. with yeah. a local person in your area that's, right. that's an architect and an engineer and all of it mm -hmm. comes together. Because when I, when I got started, I bought a plan, a very nice plan online. I thought everything was going to be cool. It was, a, it was just a beautiful picture at that point. Because mm. then I brought that and I thought that I was going to get that permitted at the time. This is years and years ago. I had to go back and get another architect to really draw it up. I had to get another engineer to make sure all my loads were properly done. So therefore, I could actually get a permit because I couldn't even get a permit based upon what I bought online. Wow. Damn, that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so, what most people do. That's a lot of people do. I have do. a lot of people doing that now yeah. um, when they're looking to build custom. Mm -hmm. So for you, coming at it from a different standpoint, when someone's building custom, that's what makes it scary, right? right. You go to a big builder and everything's already done for you, mm -hmm. even if it's semi-custom. Now I need an architect, I need an engineer, I need a developer, I need a builder. Like the list goes on. Goes on. Where at what point does it become a, a one-stop shop? Like what would you recommend for people? They are they want to build custom. Mm -hmm. Do they want to do a one-stop shop? Do they want to get several different pieces? So if you want to build custom, I would go to a person who has experience in building custom homes. Okay. Because there's so many different nuances to not only building the house, but also the client relation. Because what happens is a lot of times people are not, are, and builders are not used to working with in buyers. I know. Through the process. Oh, I know. <laughs> through yeah. the process of building a home because it's a blessing and a curse. Building custom is a blessing and a curse. Oftentimes when I build, my houses are even sold either before we start construction or midway through. They very seldom sit once the construction is, is completed. So with that being said, if I have a buyer on the front side, it's great because I know that it's paid for and everything is done, but there's also some things that go along with that. It's making sure that the owner or the person who's buying it, that they are timely with their choices because time costs money, you mm -hmm. know? Um, making sure that they're picking things out that's inside their budget and not overspending. So there's a lot of different nuances when mm -hmm. dealing custom, but find somebody who has done it before. That's good to yeah. know. And so do you rely heavily, and, and this is a question, sure. of course, I'm a the real estate broker here. Do you guys rely heavily on your real, like who your representation, mm -hmm. like you have an agent, right. you have a broker that represents you, and a buyer comes with their own broker. Mm -hmm. Who do you rely on to kind of keep these timelines in check? Because there, people will say, hey, he told me this home's gonna cost right. this. I spent 600,000 mm -hmm. above budget, now it's your fault. Mm -hmm. How do you keep them in line? So. It starts in the very beginning. The communication has to start from day one and it deals with both agents. So you guys are the glue to keeping all of this together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are the glue. I've worked with builders and yeah. you can tell builders are, builders to me, a lot uh, of builders and developers are used to working with other builders, other uh -huh. developers, um, subcontractors, uh -huh. but the um, care right. and um, specific way you speak to yeah. consumers they don't have. But I think it also has to <laughs> do with care. your background. So for me, I'm ex-corporate. So, so I know. That's so it, 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 it is different. So I'm used to being with C-level executives and working in that, yes. in, that, in that vein. But you have to handle both situations very, very delicately. Yes. Um, 
because it can make a deal go south very, very quickly. Yes. But the agents are the glue and making sure that there's a line of communication and expectations that are laid out in the front. Now, again, my motto has always been what can happen will happen. But how you manage those things are is going to make the thing in the situation that much better. What can right. happen will what can happen. happen, will happen. That's a I good like one. that. That's what yeah. I'm used that one. Yeah. 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 So let's just talk about it. We hear all this thing. The price of lumber is up 200 percent. Mm-hmm. Concrete's up 100 percent. Like what is really going on? What is the cost of building? Mm-hmm. Just generally speaking, and are the prices up because of the pandemic and have they gone back down? Because we're hearing so much misinformation. It's really scaring people away from building a custom home. That is correct. So here's the skinny. When the pandemic came, you had supply and demand issues. Everybody was still building, mm-hmm. but people were not working and materials were scarce. So therefore, people weren't in the factories putting, you know, windows together or at the sawmills, then you had experienced delays, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we had all this lumber increase and the price went up 200%, and that's definitely true in what happened. And then you hear these announcements, hey, the price of lumber is going back down. But guess what? If I'm a sawmill and I sold at the height of the market to a lumber company, and they bought the lumber at X price, and then the prices go down for the sawmill? Well, the lumber company bought all this material in bulk. They're still holding this material. They're not going to bring that price down for you until they get rid of all the surplus material that they bought at that higher price. Mm. So some of the prices are going down, but it's only when that that supply has gone down that they bought at the higher price. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take a loss for that material. Just because the price. Just now. because their price has gone down. But they already it, have this inventory. Absolutely. Interesting. And people don't realize that, that, oh, yeah, I heard the news that the price is going down for lumber. Well, it is for them getting lumber now. But New you orders. still got to buy the lumber that's in their supply. But how does mm. a buyer protect themselves like in this instance, right? Because when mm-hmm. buyers, when you buy, you don't know when someone purchased the inventory. That is correct. Right? How, that is there's correct. no way we're going to know. We and uh, in, in addition to that, mm-hmm. if I give you a quote today, so if I'm going to build your house and I go ahead and give you your price is going to be X dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And I've priced the materials today. I don't know truly what those numbers are until I get to that stage. So say, for instance, it's October 1st next week, right? right. Mm-hmm. I've done all my numbers. I've gotten the budget together. And then I'm going to go into two months, three months of permitting. Okay. I won't get to framing until six months down the line or five months down the line. And so say I've gotten a quote for plumbing, electrical, HVAC, okay? Those numbers are just a quote up front. Those numbers are not going to be hard when it's time for me to do that particular So it's basically item. like a good faith estimate. In That's the, it. Like, in, 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 in the lender <laughs> world, basically. And, and, and just like you said, when you talked about the pre-approval don't mean nothing. Yeah. They don't. So, the, so wait, hold on, hold on, Patrick. Hold on. Hold you saying the quote means nothing? Wait a minute. It's just a quote. It, it means something. something, but guess what? The reason why numbers are high right now when I give you the quote is because builders are trying to protect themselves. Oh. That that's another reason why I don't cost. I don't price cost per square foot. 
I was just going to ask you. I do not you know, give a price per like, square foot. Like, I'm in Atlanta, and yeah. you, know, you know, we've tried yes. to do business together. I'm like, so what's the price per square foot? I, because that is what most consumers, yeah. like, how much is it going to charge mm-hmm. per square yeah. foot? And you're like, no. I get that question all the time, and yeah. I say, I price based upon the plan line item by line item. Because if I give you a ballpark price per square foot, you're going to hold me to that. And I know numbers are going to fluctuate. And so when I do a quote for somebody, I have to give a degree of margin to make sure that when it's time Mm -hmm. to actually hire that sub, that I'm going to be okay to make sure that I can make those payments that it's inside your budget. So as a, as a buyer or a build mm-hmm. a homeowner mm-hmm. or a potential homeowner, I want to build. Mm-hmm. Should we put an automatic 10 to 15 percent buffer on top of what we're being quoted up front? Because I will put a contingency. Because I always have clients that are buying new construction. They sign their contract. Oh. It's going to be this, mm-hmm. but it's always in you know somewhere in that it's contract, <laughs> like in a third mm-hmm. or fourth, fifth, eighth page right. that right. says. This can go up. So for instance, when I go get my lending, I have to give a budget to the bank. They automatically put a contingency budget on top of that, whether I like it or not. And and it goes towards my ratios of that 65% ARV. Right. Okay. So I always tell people to always have some extra money in the coffers just in case what can happen will happen. What can happen. You know, because think about this. When you're doing a custom home, you're 12 to 15 months, depending upon the build, um, and prices are going to fluctuate, and sometimes your tastes change. You may say, you know what, I want this kitchen and I've priced for this. Well, our contract's going to say, I'm going to give you an allowance. That kitchen allowance may be $50,000, okay? Mm-hmm. That's for your kitchen to get whatever you want. But you may go into that kitchen showroom and see something much more expensive. But as a builder, I have a number that I've already allocated for that. And, yeah. yeah. And, and so $50,000. $50,000. You're going $100,000. Then that's, that's on you. That's on, that's on your basis. Yeah. I mean, because we, if I'm getting the finance. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Or there's a construction loan. So for instance, if I've started a house, I've already gotten that financing. Okay, I've already gotten that budget. And if 
and I've set those line items for all those allowances, whether it's kitchen, appliances, um, any extras like pools, gazebos, things of that nature. If a buyer wants to come in and do custom and customize it or change it, there's gonna be a cost difference. And so we expect the buyer to pay over and above based upon that you know that difference that yeah. difference now obviously for the price of the home we're going to set allowances that make sense if we're talking you know several million dollars for a house we're going to give them allowance for that house got it yeah mm. so look you're talking about financing so construction financing mm -hmm. when you're when you're buying when you're developing for someone are you letting the buyers get their own financing mm -hmm. or are you getting the financing you're taking over the project it all depends upon where we are in that process. Okay. Okay. If I've already started, if say for instance, I went ahead and I bought a lot mm -hmm. and I've already got my plans together, I got everything in place. Everything submitted, permits. Yeah, I got and I even got the permit to build X house. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm moving. If I have a buyer that comes in and they want to have something totally different. Say they come in at framing stage. And they want something totally different, mm -hmm. I would ask them to go get their own financing. Get their own financing. Um, because that will allow us to make the changes in the time being that it takes. For instance, if you want to make a change to this plan and you want something totally different, we got to go back to architecture, we got to go back through permitting, all of that type of stuff. And guess what? The project is sitting now for two plus months, but guess what? I have a note that I'm paying. Mm -hmm. And in the types of projects that I do, that note is very, very high. We're talking anywhere between five to $10,000 a month. Wow. So if I'm sitting, doing nothing while you making your changes, I'm taking a severe financial hit. So I would ask that buyer if they wanna make a drastic change to bring their own financing. Now, if I'm already in process and all you wanna do is change a bedroom and bathroom around and I don't have to do a whole bunch of heavy lifting in terms of permitting mm -hmm. and things, I will keep that financing in place. So Got if it. I'm a new developer or a new aspiring developer, how do I go about getting this financing? What What are these construct these banks that are lending for construction? What are they looking for? Because I'm going to say something. Yeah. Okay. I heard you slip in 65% ARV. Yeah. Like, I heard it too. We, and we, my all, light bulb went off. We was like, wait a minute. Like okay. the, the, the rules sound a little more favorable to build than it is to flip. Yeah. So let's talk now, about And that. I got banks that'll do 75%, but I don't do it. I yeah. stick at 65%. Because okay. again, what can happen will happen. Yes. I want to make sure that there's enough cushion in there. So you treat it like a hard money loan. Absolutely. Basically. Like you're doing a fix and flip. Absolutely. Basically. Okay. And, and so when I buy, I make sure that the ratios make sense. I do not, under any circumstance, go outside of that ratio. And the reason becomes because there are so many different factors, especially in a time like this, where material costs and labor costs in some instances right. have started to increase. Electrical, electrical, some of them can't get junction boxes. Some of them can't get wired, so they're raising their price. Concrete, the same thing. Concrete is ridiculous. Right yeah, now. it's ridiculous. And they're capping you at a certain amount of yards that you can get for concrete. Wait so I did a pour, it was 130 yards of concrete, okay? The concrete company, first of all, took two weeks before they can come out and pour, and they only gave me 100 yards because they're rationing off to other people, Whoa. I had to wait two more weeks just before I can pour the garage. Damn. Wow. Yeah. So, again, and time is money. So the longer that I'm having to wait for materials and things of that nature, it drags off the holding costs. There's so many different factors that make, if I'm holding the financing, 
the bill price go up. Yeah. Mm. So we generally ask buyers, if, if I'm holding the financing, which I prefer the buyer does, but if I'm holding the financing, we put time gaps in our contracts to make sure that they're performing at a timely manner. So therefore, right. we're just not sitting, holding our, you know, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for them to make a decision. So you at your 65 ARV, you mm -hmm. have lenders that will go up to 75 ARV. Mm -hmm. Are these lenders scrutinizing you if you're a first time developer? Absolutely. Okay. It's all about. <laughs> Wait a minute. You said, you said I, that was. Yeah. You said that way too quick. Absolutely. So. It, because and, and they're looking at a couple of things. They're looking at experience. Mm -hmm. um, and not only experience, have you done a new construction project before, but have you done it at this magnitude? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so they're just not going to give money willy nilly. So remember back in the day in 04 to 06 time, money was flying all over the place. Absolutely. I mean, you can get, I mean, you get some money, you get some money, you get some money. Yeah. You get some money. You gotta have Everybody a post and you can money. get some money. Mm -hmm. um, but banks got caught holding the bag also because there was a lot of fraud going on in Atlanta Absolutely. at that time. And I'm sure nationwide. Um, now they still lend upon the deal, but they want to also lend upon who that person is going to get, you know, that financing. So typically, first time if if they like everything you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. First time investor, how much of a down payment they're gonna have? They're gonna to ask them. you for 10%. So they right now there's programs out there, 90% purchase, 100% um, construction. construction. Okay, like and that's that. if you got the experience though. If you have the experience. Now, and if you don't have the experience, they're gonna probably make you bring anywhere between 15 to 20%. Okay, so let's just call it 20% for mm -hmm. non-experience plus your closing costs. That's correct. And, and insurance. And, and your insurance, <laughs> very important. And what insurances should they, should they also get as a builder? Sure, you gotta have a builder's risk insurance. That builder's risk insurance is going to, one, protect the builder in case something happens, so therefore you don't have this huge note that you have to pay if your building you know, collapses, fire, damage, whatever the case may be. Now, interest only. Interest payment. only. Typically, what's your terms? 12 months, 18 months, 24 months? 12 months. 12 months term. Mm -hmm. Extensions? Can you extensions, get extensions? Three-month extensions, but it comes at a point. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Look, guys, so that's you why need to understand this. You got that right. <laughs> that's, why, that's, that's why these builders are stressed. Yeah. You got to, to pay that point on this yeah. day. Yes. And, you know, because think about this, especially if you go in the luxury market, you know, your prices are more. Because if you have experience, you're in that eight to eight and a half percent. If you don't have the experience, you're in that 11 to 13, depending upon who you're dealing with. It's hard money. It's hard money. Yeah. You know? And so it behooves you as a developer to have lines of credit, and it also behooves you to have accounts, credit accounts with certain tradespeople. That right there is gold in itself, having talk your about trade that. accounts. Yes. Let's talk about So that. think about this for a moment. If I am building a house, right, and as a builder, if I only have $200,000 in the bank in order to get this thing done as my operating capital, and I have to pay for the kitchen up front because it's 18 weeks for a kitchen to come in. Okay, I gotta pay for my appliances up front. There's 18 weeks for the appliances to come in. Okay, windows are generally right now about 90 days to come in for custom windows. Sliding glass doors where you have the doors collapse, things of that nature, those are about 90 days to come in. So if you're spending all that money of things that you can't even maneuver with right now, yeah. and mind you, the bank pays on completed work, okay? So I'm not getting paid back from the bank for all that cash that's pushed out. I'm only getting paid for the things that they can see that's completed. Absolutely. And so if the draw I schedule. That's right. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have credit accounts, I'm exhausting all this cash and I can't move the project along. 
So the reason why projects take long for a lot of people because they don't have the proper accounts in place in order to move things along. So if I want to order appliances, yes. I want to have my appliance account. Yeah. So I can put my appliances on there and I can use the liquid cash in order to maneuver somebody to get people going on the local stuff. Yeah, and, and then you still have your, your loan. You have your loan. <laughs> you have your right. loan. Right, and guess what, miss a payment, on those loans. They're going to call them due. They're going to they call it due because mm -hmm. the due on sale clause pops in. Mm -hmm. But not, not only that, they will stop all draws. Yep. So you got to pay your hard money lenders or your, any type of bank financing. It, it has to be paid right and away. And you got your property taxes. Right. Absolutely. Everything has to be paid. Everybody wants their money. Everybody, Everybody wants, wants money. to get paid. So Everybody wants to get paid. So let me ask you this because I think that we've gotten like so much great information, mm -hmm. but we've already spoken to the consumer. Okay. So let's, let's break it down just a little simple. Sure. Simple for... I want to build new construction. Okay. Is you said it's better because you mm -hmm. know what's going on, but sure. let's talk about the returns okay. and what they should expect. Like, what are three things they need to do to prepare themselves to develop a luxury property? Because okay. I see your property. Sure. You're building the modern home right. all over Atlanta. So, one of the things, if somebody wants to get involved in building luxury properties, I would first say shadow somebody or have some type of class that you can get involved in to kind of teach you the ins and outs. But really, it's getting that real world experience. That is the utmost. You got to get that real world experience, okay? Number two, develop your team. You know, a lot of times people think when they talk about team, it's just your construction personnel. It's not. It's your lawyer, your accountant, your real estate agent, you know, it's your insurance broker. It's all those different components tied to your team to help keep you as a developer out of hot water and to help build, be your builder's rep. Mm -hmm. You know, a realtor, if this is her capacity or his capacity to help be your builder's rep, is phenomenal because they can help steer you in a direction where as you're building, you're building something that the client wants on the backside. Right. Very, very key. And then lastly, if you, if you look at three, is making sure that you have your finances in order. Because, most important. Yeah, it's most <laughs> important because a lot of times you're spending and you're spending and again, there's the little things that come up that you don't right. know about. If you're not making sure that your site is kept clean or if you got erosion and, you, and it's raining all the time and dirt's going into the road, they're going to site you. So you got to make sure that you got your site prepped up properly in order to continue work. All those different things, you've got to have your finances. Finances is key. I think too many times people are trying to do things with no money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody wants to do everything with no money. They it's do. like, what's wrong with you? Like you need money. It takes things, money to make money. What, what you said, what can happen will, will happen. happen. Right. <laughs> things are going to come up. As they say, shit happens. That's right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It happens all the time. And too many people just want to be out here. I want to be a developer. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they have no money. So I'm glad you, you, you said that from a developer yeah. standpoint. Because like you said, you don't know. Right. You That's don't right. know. Like, uh, Absolutely. Everything is fluctuating right now. And with permits being backed up, everything's backed up. By the time you actually mm -hmm. start to build, mm -hmm. it could be three <laughs> months after you get your permit. That's right. That's right. And guess what? You still got to make that monthly payment. You still got to make that monthly payment every <laughs> single so that's month. That's why you prefer, like, listen, you come, you want the house, you want the consumer right. to have the construction permit right. loan. Because it, of I, I do, because now as a consumer having the loan, they can take their time to make the choices that they want. Because a lot of times building a house is very overwhelming. So if you're not in the industry, 
and you just want a house built, you know, when you're looking, okay, I got to do all these different cabinets and I have to do color choices. And you know, what do we want to put on the deck? What type of material? Are we going to go tile? Are we going to go hardwood? It's very consuming for a person. And so it takes time. Yeah. But if that builder's holding the loan, we want that to go because yeah. again, we're holding the bag and our, jo our goal is to get the project completed. You know, right. so as most efficient way as possible. So let's talk about some setbacks because everybody talks buying new construction, right? Or building new construction. Yes. It's like a it's a great thing. But there's a lot of negatives with buying new construction after you close on the house, right? Mm -hmm. the, it, the, the walls crack, foundation mm -hmm. can crack, yep. you know, ceilings crack. I've seen it all. So can you list some of the things that um, buyers can look out for um, when they're buying new construction? Sure. So, um... It all, look at the land, obviously. You know, I've seen people that have had sinkholes in their yard and things oh, wow. of that nature. Wow. Um, there was actually something on the news. A lady had a, a lot of Marietta. She had a huge sinkhole that took her whole front yard, yeah. and she's now worried about it taking the house. Yeah. Um, but having that warranty is very, very key. So when I build a house, I generally offer a 210 warranty. A uh, 210 warranty is really a 10-year warranty that talks about, you know, any little things that may happen on your construction. So, you know, cracks in the walls are going to happen. You're going to have, you know, stress cracks for the house settling. Mm -hmm. You're going to have little things that take place that you find after a person has moved in. Right. But being able to have a crew that can go back in and get those things fixed is priceless. Mm -hmm. You know, it's priceless. And having a warranty company that, you, that stands behind you that can make sure that that now the consumer is not necessarily calling the builder, but now they call the warranty line, and then they will send somebody out there to fix the minor things. And then the the, the homeowner will have to pay like a copay or something. It's like, like right. yeah, yeah, the, well, yeah. They have because they pay into the two ten warranty, mm -hmm. and then the builder also pays into the two ten warranty. Got it. And mm -hmm. so therefore, it's like having insurance essentially. Basically, Perfect. it's insurance, and it protects mm -hmm. you for a ten year time frame. That's correct. And they'll take care of pretty much any any defects that happen right. within that ten years. That's correct. Sinkholes included. <laughs> That may be a force of nature. That won't happen, but you know your regular insurance, you know, needs to step in at that point. Interesting, interesting, because a lot of people, you know, when they buy these new constructions, and then they're like, "Map, this is happening to my house. The builder was terrible." I'm like, "No, that's just natural." Yeah, it's natural. But yeah. they don't, but they don't know they don't about know. it. They don't know that it's natural that the home is going to settle. You're yes. going to have cracks. Like it's a new home. It's just sitting on a foundation right. that has to settle. The earth yeah. settles. Things of that nature. There's a mm -hmm. lot of things that take place, and it's just Mac making sure that you have somebody that's willing to come in and take care of those things when it does happen. And it's generally within the first year. Now, when you when you buy new construction, let's just say you didn't get a home warranty from your builder, mm -hmm. right? Can, can that homeowner go in a year or two later and buy their own home warranty? So it's like insurance, they probably pay more of a premium for that mm. um, because they didn't get it at the time of construction. And so therefore, mm. the insurance company is going to have to go and inspect the house and really to understand the state of the house. And it's like life insurance, you know, right. they want to see what kind of condition you are in prior to giving you that policy. So interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very, very, very interesting. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that people don't talk about. Um, and just yeah. in our world, right? No, absolutely. We don't absolutely. talk about um, home warranties at all. Mm -hmm. I, I hardly ever bring that I up. Do. Well, you're in a new construction. And you're actually a good broker. <laughs> There's not a lot of them like, out there. I'm like, this is your home warranty. Right. You know what I started to do to protect my clients, even now, because in our crazy field, 
the sellers aren't aren't doing the home warranty, mm -hmm. we purposefully order them a home warranty, okay. and then we'll tell them, hey, so we you have the home warranty, mm -hmm. it's on the CD, and we make them tell us we don't want it. I started to do that because I had someone was like, oh, you didn't tell us about the home warranty. I said, we did, you declined it. So now, not only do I email them, I have an email educational, we just proactively add home warranties to gotcha. every single buyer. That's good. That's Even smart, if the actually. seller is not paying for it, we, you already have it. And I have so many clients that are appreciative of it, they see it because when we go over the settlement statement, I'm saying this is your home warranty and this is what you're paying for. You got to tell me to take it off. That's so actually we gotta, good. We got to have a layer of protection mm -hmm. for just even looking out for people or looking out for our consumers because they, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. And even with, when it comes to building like this custom home, because I now I'm at a place like even with the brokerage. Now my clients is like, hey, Ken, I bought my starter home. I'm selling lashes. I'm right. a millionaire now. <laughs> like, right. You know, this is Wakanda. Right. right. And so when they're looking to build this custom home, realistically, and let's just talk about a, a reasonable number. Let's just say they're looking for a $1.5 million home. Let's just talk about that. Okay. At some point, we got to talk about people that are buying luxury. Sure. How much should they expect to spend out? Like, how much money should they have saved okay. to get the process started? <laughs> So one, it all depends upon what their lender requirements are. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, but I will at least save anywhere between tw ten to twenty percent. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that, so some people can go, you know, with certain loans where they only have to bring three percent down and things right. of that nature. Um, something's going to change, you know. But as they get into that particular loan, they're going to want upgrades more so than they thought about when they started that home buying process. Mm -hmm. It always happens. And so a lot of times those upgrades are 100% paid in full, non-refundable. Mm. And the reason being, so so think about this, especially if I'm holding your financing. Okay. <laughs> if you come to me, for myself. if you come to me and tell me you want to paint the walls in the living room all red, okay, I'm going to charge you 100% non-refundable. Because if you do not close, I have to change that color back. Yeah. Correct, correct. You know, and so a lot of times people come with this custom, these customizations because it's their custom home, and that's cool. But we have to be realistic because if something does not happen, the builder is oftentimes holding, you know, they're holding the bag and they're having to change it back in order to put it back on the market. Mm. Yeah, so that's why a lot of times, again, we'll set an allowance, We dictate that up front this right. is what your allowance is anything over and above you have to pay for and anything that is out of the ordinary that you have to pay for as well so you would recommend like 20 percent have your 20 yes. percent saved to build custom no matter what the financing actually looks like right. just to cover upgrade things yes. like that and i say this often but i just wanted to say it one more time because we wanted we're in this thing where we want to get the most with the least right but i feel like building a custom home by the time you're doing that like this is not the least. Right. No. You know, you're spending a lot of money. It's a That's lot correct. of time. But it's a great process. Absolutely. It is it is a great process to be able to go in and pick every aspect and design every aspect of your house. But you just have to be educated enough. It's about education to really understand what that actually means financially, you know, for yourself. How, how does someone get that education? Because you've mentioned education, mm -hmm. education several times. Sure. And it's not like, you know, home building is right. like, like, readily like, hey, available. You know right. what I'm saying? So, so how does somebody find this education? So as a consumer coming in and you want to be educated on the custom process, I would go and interview the builder. I would interview the architect. 
I would interview different people within that area, even if it's the mortgage broker, even dealing with the agent, Correct. to really understand the process from soup to nuts, from the very beginning to the end. And as you get this information, even if that means, hey, you know what, do you mind if I come out to the project site and see what you are currently doing so I can understand your process? Yes. Understanding will take you a whole lot, a long way. Definitely. Yeah. And you got to hire the right team. Yeah. yeah it seems oh, like, yeah. like that's the most important. And, yeah. and building custom is not something you just, that's you great. just like. And you oh, got to be available. Yeah. You know, sometimes when people want to build a custom home, but they're not available in order to make the decisions that's needed in that development process, mm. and that can prolong it as well. Yeah, mm. that's a pain in the ass because I'm like, yeah, I'm building home. a house right now, uh -huh. and my and I'm still I just submitted permits, and I could have probably submitted permits three months ago, uh -huh. but I'm like <laughs> busy. You're busy. <laughs> not even that. I'm just like all over the place. To be honest, yeah. you're saying like it's just like you make changes. Like yeah, it's like no, yeah. I don't like that. I want this. Well, your taste. I mean, the the buying and the building process is so long. You're in your just everyday life are going to see things that are you know. Hey, what? I didn't think about that. I want to add that to the At this yeah. point, I want to tiptoe on the marble floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you be on Instagram and you seeing all these nice little. I'm like, oh, like wait a minute, let me just see. Hey, design. Uh, you yeah. see this? I, I mean, like I've this. seen. I mean, we've gone in and we've put heated floors in the bathroom so Love the it. person steps out of the shower. The floor I need that. Heated. <laughs> you know, the whole nine. Yeah. One of the biggest things is that if I'm in the development cycle and I plan for hardwoods, and you come and you change it, you want to go tile or marble. We have to make sure that we're looking at how the structure was put together because tile, certain tile is heavy, marble is really heavy. And you gotta make sure you can handle the load. Oh. And so that comes at a cost that's over and above just the tile and the marble because now if the load is meant for only hardwoods, I may have to go back and change the, the floor structure to be able wow. to handle that weight. I'm mm. glad you said that. See, no one thinks that <clears throat> yeah. like, listen, the, t the cost of this marble yes. costs this. Put it in there. Yeah. Nobody, no, we're not thinking. There's more ramifications to the things that you have going on that you got to think through the whole process. There's a lot of different things tied to that. Well, I, I want to say this because you are an amazing luxury builder here. You know, black owned, black builder. We want to see more builders, mm -hmm. especially developers, people that can build luxury. Sure. So, you know, obviously it's a lucrative business. So what, when you talk to someone about joining and saying, listen, what can we do to be better developers, builders, and, you know, okay, flipping houses, that's good. Buy, you know, buying and selling the average house, that's good. But now I'm focusing on building $1 million, $2 million, $3 million houses. How do they start to develop those, develop those relationships? Sure. Because you're not buying those people. You know, the material is not <clears throat> from home goods. That's right. No. <laughs> no, everything is custom ordered. You know, yes. you're, you're ordering. People see on Instagram and on TV these large, you know, front doors, you know, six by ten front doors. You just can't go to your local supply house in order to get that. Yeah. That has to be ordered ordered and only certain vendors carry it. Either you're bringing it from overseas or you're going back west to get it. And so being able to, you know, know who are some of these vendors that you can utilize. And that's even when I teach my classes about how to, you know, be a developer or a builder, we try to give those people the resources for that. Okay. So are you, do you recommend going like trade shows? Oh, absolutely. I go to every trade to, show to, I can. To like learn about these vendors and stuff like that? Yes. So it's crazy that you say that. So generally I go to all the building shows, the home shows, all of that type of stuff. I'm actually leaving for Dubai in October because we're going to a international uh, 
conference, it's a world conference that deals not only with building, but also just, you know, retail the whole nine. So that's taking place in Dubai. So we're taking a team out there and really, you know, getting the lay of the land. It's about getting experience. So I even took my architect back west to California and Vegas to look at the modern development because as we bring some of those things back here to Georgia, we want to be able to tap into what people are doing differently. Right. And and so that's kind of some of the things that we do. So yeah. for you, and this you you're really big on you're going to be in the room. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm you're going to be, be in, in every room. Absolutely. That absolutely. you can physically, yes. not just online, not just no. listening. You're going to put yourself in the room so that way That's you right. can continue to build and yeah. hone in on your skill. I That's hope right. that the people are listening to that because we do a lot of stuff right. online and we feel like that's enough and I figured out everything, but Look you got to be in the building. You got like, to be in the building. You got you to gotta be in the room. And we yeah. tell people that all the time. It's yeah. not just enough just to be on YouTube University, yes. take a digital virtual class or whatever the case may be. You got to actually go out there and touch the people that's and really have those conversations because that's how you really build those relationships. Because you never know when someone can save you some money. That's correct. absolutely right? correct. And if they don't have, they can put, if they can't put a name to the face, then it's like you're just another person off that's the right. internet, right? right? That's right. So relationships is it's greater than money. Yes, it's key. in all cases. That's absolutely. So going to Dubai, I mean, I applaud yeah. that and bringing your team with you because I mean, I never even heard of a, a world yeah. conference. Con like listen, this. Yeah. in Dubai, Dubai now, 2022. Now I'm sitting here like, yeah. damn, I need to Google. Maybe I we yeah. need to go I'll there. See you <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's tell you about the We may need to go out <laughs> there because that's a business trip, right? Yeah. That's it's a, it's all right. We're going October 9th through the 17th. I like that. <laughs> yep, so, I like that. Now you Go know ahead. we got to get to it. Mm -hmm. You're giving us the, you're giving us the okay. gems about building, being a developer, being a builder, mm -hmm. coming from an edit from a consumer's um, point of view as well. Sure. So you got to ask this question for okay. us. Give us a rant. Okay. In a gem about your industry. So the rant would be everybody thinks they can do it. You know, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that started. Jump off the porch with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they watch HGTV. They watch all these builder home shows, and they think it's easy. And it is not. You can make some great money, but you can lose your shirt quickly. And it's a matter about making sure that you're educated from the standpoint to make sure you know what you're getting involved in. But everybody thinks they can do it until they get into it. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks they can. Man, right. that's so a great rap. Yeah. yeah. What about your man. gym? So so my gym. Your last is, gym of the day. Yeah, my last gym of the day is lock arms with somebody who's done it before. And 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 really don't be afraid to come underneath their tutelage because when I started I went underneath somebody and I try to learn as much as I can from them and, and it doesn't have to be just one person but it's a matter of getting with people that are doing what you're looking to do right you know get in the right circle because guess what your, your network is your net worth and it's so cliche right. but it is so true right. you know so lock arms with somebody who is doing what you're wanting to do and learn as much as you can from them and be in the building because you want to be able to touch it, see it, feel it. That's one of my models. Touch it, see it, feel it. You know, that's going to really take you to another level. Man, that's a gym. Yes. A big gym. Big gym. If they want to lock arms with you. Sure. <laughs> How can it is? So um, on Instagram, Patrick L. Henderson. Mm -hmm. My website, PatrickLHenderson.com, as well as PLHHomes.com. Man, love it. Yeah. phenomenal episode, Kiana. Great, great episode. A lot of information. Shit, I think I want to be a developer. It's like, it's <laughs> great information. It's a great way to just kind of segue into it. Everybody, you know, a lot of people have learned so much right. from our from our podcast. Yeah. 
earn your leisure as a whole and they're in different levels now it's like you know what it's time to build a custom home or now i'm done with developing i want to get into luxury building and it's room for all of us to kind of get into those spaces so thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us absolutely you know we really appreciate it and i and i and again i also assist with other people who are aspiring to be developers we have a developers master class that we teach once a month mm. and we've had people flying in from all over the country you know this last week we had one we had a I group of people come in from canada and they're just trying to you know get into you know this market and we're helping people understand the steps for being a developer helping them with budgets helping them through the process from soup to nuts Man, Love that's it. dope look yeah. make sure y'all tap in a lot of information yes um like, comment, share, subscribe, listen to it on audio. Matt Garland here, in MLS number 58700, better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. And I am Kiana Watson, broker extraordinaire, license number 317576. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Rants and Gems show. Yo. Have a good one. Peace. Speak my rants and gems. Speak my rants and gems. Y'all can do it, we discover. Peace to all the kings and the queens where the mother lies. Speed my rants and gems. Speed my rants and gems. Y'all can do it, we discover. Peace to all the kings and the queens where the mother lies. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.